decisions that affect my ability to prosper and change my world. That is the essence of what I want to talk about, how you make decisions and how those decisions can impact your ability to prosper. If you make certain decisions, you will not be able to prosper and you will not be able to change the world you're in. I'm not talking about my world. I'm talking about your world. Young man walked up to me yesterday before church, and he saw me out in the parking lot. And it's always a joy to see young people be excited to see you, you know, especially when they're like seven, eight years old. And so I said, how are you conquering your world? And he looked at me like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Big, big talk. I said, no, look. I said, where's your world? I said, this is my world. And he said, I said, and that's your world. So I said, where's your world? He said, right here. I said, where's my world? Okay. Is, is my room's clean. Is your room clean? He looked at me. He said, that's not fair. <laughs> I, said, I said, my homework's done. Is your homework done? And I said, I'm conquering my world. Are you conquering your world? I need to prosper so that I can conquer my world. And if I conquer my world, then I can go change the world. It starts with me, though. It starts with me having a passion and a commitment to do that. But I, I as I, you know, whenever you teach something three times in a weekend, you tend to evolve in your thoughts. And so this is the second time around with this. I, I, I wanted to shave the title just a little bit. Can you repeat this, if this new title? Say, do you really want to prosper? Now, this may bother people, but don't be bothered. The goal of the series is to answer the big question for the year, which is, why are you really here and what's your purpose? I believe one of your purposes is to prosper so that you can change your world. You're not going to be just a talker. There are a lot of people who just talk, but they don't have the time, the resources, or the means. They're a part of no group where they band together and make a real difference in the world. See, my goal is to band with people, build what I call tribes. It's not a unique term to me, the word tribes, because it's used by a lot of people in a lot of settings, but I really adopted that term because I really believe that's how you change the world. You band with people. There's no value in overcoming by faith existing if we don't change anything. We have absolutely no reason to ask people to give or no reason to have facilities or properties or businesses down the road if our goal is just to enrich ourselves. But if our goal is a noble goal, if it's one worth fighting for, if it's one that says we want to make a very significant difference in the lives of people. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, why, are you, why would you preach? Why would you do what you do? Why would you want to be you know, in different media outlets? Is it just because you want, and they said it in a very nice way, it wasn't any mean spirit, it was a, a sincere question. And I, and I looked at them and I said, because I want to impact lives. I really believe that that's all that matters. Everything else is sort of gravy. A suit, a tie, a nice little car to drive around in that has wheels like your car and a nice place to live, that's great. But at the end of the day, if that's all this is about, then it needs, the doors need to close. Because that's not valuable. What's significant is if you can point, like Maria Schreier's dad used to ask her all the time, what are you doing today to change your world? What significant thing have you done to make a difference in the place you live? That, to me, is the question that I'm dealing with today. 
I'm talking about prosperity, but I'm only talking about prosperity because without it, you, you cannot do anything but talk and complain and say, young men are just out of control. Well, what young man can you help? Show me your disciples. Name me your tribe. Show me where you have made a significant difference in the world. Who would stand on the stage and testify for you? And say, you have helped me. You've helped me see. You've helped me grow. You've helped me learn. If I don't do that, I have no reason to be paid when I'm paid, live well. None of that. All that should be just removed because I am simply in it for me. But I just learned a valuable lesson. If I don't have the right attitude towards prosperity and if I'm not committed to it, I'll never be able to do it. I always find something fascinating, people say. You want to hear what I think is fascinating? If you don't want to know, I won't tell you. But if you want to know, act interested. Do you want to know what I find fascinating? Comments like this. I'm going to get that church my money because who, who do you give your money to? Do something somewhere. Is that a statement that you live for you? Is that a statement that all you want to do? You don't want to partner with anybody. That's why families are broke. Your family is struggling because it refuses to band together. In your most challenging times, sometimes you divide the most. When you should unite. When the person's lost their job. And everybody knows they lost their job. We should all gather around their house and say, let's lay your bills out. And let's get you on a savings track. Let's get you someplace where your life can be different. Let me help you manage your money. And when you get back up on your feet, you should remember them. And the next time one of them is down, you should all get together. Imagine if your family was like that. Imagine if you felt connection and love and power. Now, in the last <coughs> excuse me, several weeks, there's a sermon that I've covered in this... <laughs> I love this. There's four things I've talked about, three things I've talked about so far in this series. Repeat them with me, please. They're prospering for a purpose. In that sermon, I talked about God prospers people who make, who unite for, for a purpose. In other words, when Acts chapter 2, when they were together in one accord in one place, God was there. They prospered. They were in one place, and he prospered them. Number two, we talked about prospering in the right season. Say that with me, please. Come on. I asked the question, is this the best season for God to prosper you? My answer was no for some people. I'm really glad that God didn't give me money at certain seasons of my life or certain, certain even public opportunities because my head was in the wrong place. And so sometimes your harvest, your opportunities are waiting for you to grow up. How can God give you a marriage ministry and your marriage is up and down and up and down and up and down? How can God give you an opportunity to be a public speaker and you won't prepare? You won't even keep up with the work you already have. How can he prosper you? He knows in advance, if I give them this opportunity, they will not manage it well. If you're late to work all the time, what does that say about trust? If you take off because you're <laughs> sick, really? You're not sick. You just don't want to go in today. Well, it's my sick time. Is that the reason for we give you sick time? I'm a boss. I don't give sick time because <laughs> I want you to take every day. 
that's for when you are <laughs> really sick. If you're not sick, why are you doing it? Let me say, now see, you should just preach the word and get out of that right now. Just leave all that alone. But it makes a statement. I'm not against people taking days. I mean, I'm very open to that. I get that. I want people to rest. But there's something that you say when you are the person who, who is an opportunist. And so while you're in that <clears throat> in this season of your life thinking that way, God can't trust you with the abundance you're praying for. Because when you have your own business and you can't take off like that, you see, you can't be blessed at that level because you will not be consistent. And it's amazing. When I look back at my life, I can say, thank you for not giving me that opportunity until I grew up. My temperament, my disciplines, my attitudes were wrong. Third sermon we talked about was prospering with the right attitude. Say that with me, please. Come on. Do you have a balanced attitude about money? And that's what we talked about last week. And I talked about how easy it is to not have a right attitude. And today we talk about prospering to change my world. When you have the right attitude and you focus on the right things, there are three things that you change. Come on, say my life, my family, and the world beyond me. My life changes. The goal of my prosperity, the reason I want God to prosper me, and, and, and I want to be clear because some of you may not have been here when I talked about pro what prosperity means. Prosperity is not just money, by the way. Prosperity is just feeling like your life is going well. That's what the word really means. And for some people, that's 50000 For some, it's 25000 For some, it's a big house. For some, it's a little house. It's not about the size of the house or the size of the income. If you feel your life is not going well, then let's fix your life. Is your family going well? If it's not, let's fix your family. Well, obviously, the world around us is not going too well in many places. So there's plenty of us, plenty for us to fix and, and deal with and, and, and correct. But it's hard to do that if we got what I call the wild birds flying around. And so I dealt with last week this whole idea that there are these thoughts that hinder us from prospering that fly in and out of our mind. And so what I call my look back question from last week, what thoughts, emotions, regrets, or issues keep flying around in your mind like wild birds? Interrupting your life, distracting your vision, stopping you, causing you to feel, oh, God, like your life is just one big trial. And you spend all of your life not thinking about the world, not thinking about the life beyond you, managing the wild birds. So do you have some wild birds or issues that just keep suddenly flying in your life without warning? Are you the kind of person who keeps seeing these things just jump in and jump out? Did somebody bring, I love this one, a wild bird into your life and drop it off? You were fine until they knocked on your door. Came in and gave you some gossip, told you what somebody said about you. Now that wild bird is flying all around your mind. <laughs> and, you, and, you're, and you're thinking about it. I did this. I have this new thing I do. Say, so get in the cage. Come on, practice that. Come on, say, get in the cage. That's what I say now. Get, get in the cage. Get in the cage. Get back. Get in the cage. Stay in there. What in the world? I will not be mad about that. Get in the cage in Jesus' name. I'm not... I'm not, that wild bird, that wild attitude, that frustration is not going to start off our day and control our day. Come on, say, I'm not going to live my life all frustrated, disappointed, hurt, and angry. I, I, it's worked for me. Come on, say, get in the cage. 
Hey, man, get in the cage. And let me tell you, when they get there, the city say, let me out. Let me out. I want to be mad for another hour. <laughs> get in the cage. Well, sometime I've discovered, though, some of the birds were hidden in my mind. And it wasn't until a certain thing happened or a certain event took place that I discovered how insecure I was. The wild bird of insecurity was there all the time, just hiding. And it wasn't until I got to that level of, 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 of income or until I got to that level of challenge or until someone said that about me, until someone pointed out something in my life that wasn't perfect. You're fine until you take off your shoes because your toes go everywhere. You don't want nobody to see them. If they see them, you go, oh, Jesus, have mercy, God. You start doing the back slide. Let me slide back here. But look, those toes are the toes. At least they work. Thank you, Jesus. Ask somebody with no toes. You better be, they would be glad to have a crooked toe. I went to one of my members in time. He said, Pastor Rick, they cut off my toes. You want to see? I said, no. He said, yeah, I want to show you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Okie dokie. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. I can still see it. Anyway, you know, at some point, you start learning. You should be thankful. But I didn't know that. You didn't know that those wild birds, those thoughts, those insecurities were hidden in you until you have to talk to somebody and you're in a relationship and you're dating and, you, and, you, and now you've got to tell them a few of your secrets, a few things that you don't want anybody else to know, but because the relationship is now crossing over into a new land, you've got to be more transparent about a few things because that's the fair thing to do and it is a wild bird flying around in your mind. Oh, they're not, not going to like me anymore once they know this. Once they understand that I've had these financial challenges and that my FICO score is two, <laughs> my credit is so bad I can't buy a cat on sale. I mean, it's, it's so bad. <laughs> when, you, when you got that kind of testimony, you know, you just don't want to say, yeah, I did, yeah, I did it, yeah, yeah, I stole it, yeah, I did. I went to jail for that. Stop. Wild bird flying around in your mind, got you all depressed. And you didn't know that bird was there until you had to talk about it. You want to work in the church until they say, well, you know, to work in that department, you have to have a background check. You go, oh, well, that's not the department for me. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going over here someplace else because I don't want people to know. It's, it's amazing how strong it is. They ask you to go, let's evangelize this certain part of town. And you say, whoa, I don't go over there. That's because you sold drugs over there and they're still looking for you. <laughs> and they can't figure out why you won't go. Well, I'm busy that day. I'm busy. I can't go over that side of town. They're they still looking for me. I owe some people some money. And so, mm, wild bird. Come on, say wild birds. Wild bird. Flying around. There are five decisions that I think you have to make if you want to prosper. And these decisions are so important and fundamental. Number one, you must decide to prosper. You got to decide. You got to decide. I want my life to change. I want to get beyond. I want my life to be well. And Proverbs chapter 16 says this in verse 26. He says, appetite is an incentive to work. In other words, hunger motivates the soul. Need, challenges. There's nothing like need. I think you need to get over this idea that God's somehow going to give you a life with no need in it. Would you do me a favor? Trust your pastor. Lift your hands up and say it with me, please, out of your mouth. Come on, say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I, invite I invite 
need issues, financial issues into my life. Some of you say, I ain't saying that. I already got all that. I ain't saying that. See, you tricked me, Pastor Rick. I, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I don't need any more. Yes, you do. Why are you saying that? Look at you. Look at you. Here you want to have a multi-million dollar operation, but, but you want to have $100 worth of problems. No. With that multi-million dollar operation comes multi-million dollar issues. Come on, say amen if you hear what I'm saying to you. You can't be afraid. You want to start a business, but you want a $10 problem. No. You got to have a $500,000 problem. You got to have a $40,000 problem. You got to have an issue, and you got to step to it and say, this hunger, this need is motivating my soul. You'll go out and get you some clients when you can't pay your payroll. You'll get on that plane and go further than you want to go. Work longer hours. Yes, you will. Unless you're going to sit around and just mow, well, I tell you, I need the Lord to do something for me. I ain't got no money. You're going to stay broke. Come on, say, I must want to prosper. Come on. That's the decision you've got to make. Here's what, here's what works against that. You ready? The way we teach people. Pastors are under a tremendous amount of pressure to not say anything. Just let everything just go down. Just let, I just, I, it's just terrible. I watch people sometimes, they go through issues, and I say, well, go tell the church. Tell them, come on and give. Inspire them to tithe and encourage the congregation to band together. Because here's what I'm trying to do. This is my real goal. And I may not go past these five things, too, by the way. So everything else I know you read on your own. Come on, say amen. Get these bound to these notes. It, it, I wrote it. It's anointed. Read it. It talks about next week's sermon. Enjoy all that. Now, five things I want us to really focus on. I'm trying to change your mind because I'm telling you a broke group of people can't do much. Haven't you figured that out in your family? You can't do anything. All you do is get together and gripe. Boy, how you doing? I don't know. How you doing? I want to say I'm doing well. I want to say God's hands on my life. Because I want to change my life, my family's life, and my world's life. I want to change the world around me. But I need to, I need to create an atmosphere. See, here's, here's, prosperity only grows in a certain atmosphere. You have to come to the place where you say, I'm not letting my business die. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to find good employees. I'm going to keep on trying. I'm going to keep working at it. I'm not surrendering. I'm not going to bow down to this salary. Why are you accepting the salary? You're talking about, I don't make enough. Well, what are you doing about it? All you're sitting there saying is, I don't make enough. Well, okay. Tax time, if you are one of those fortunate people that get something back because you're overpaid, but if you're one of the other kind of people that ends up paying something because you made so much money or something, you know now you got to pay and you're praying, thank God for the problem. Let me say, no, I ain't saying that either, Pastor Rick. I'm telling you. <laughs> But see, none of this will change until you decide. I don't know why you think God's going to bless you if you just sit around and mope about it. That's not how it works. The Bible said he will send you a comforter, parakletos in the Greek. That means someone called alongside to help you. Not do it all for you. You don't like your salary? You don't like where you are? You don't like what's going on? Then do something about it. But see, it, it comes with a certain mindset. That's why I, I realize that sometimes people will ask me, they'll say, can you, can you mentor me? Can you help me get to the next level? And sometimes if I'm really, it depends on the mood. Um, if they really want me to say what I'm thinking, I'll just ask a few questions. I say, okay, so you want me to mentor you. So tell me, so what, what do you want to do? I'm on being business. When's the last time you read any business books? I ain't read none. It's over. I can't help you. 
How can I help you? you, you you're not trying to read anything. You want me to read it for you and tell you about it? Yes, read it and summarize. <laughs> so you want me to do all the work and you just come in and get my little fruit, but you do nothing. See, there's something about understanding. People size you up. People look at you and they decide. This person has not decided to prosper. I love the story of Joseph because Joseph was in prison and when Pharaoh needed an interpretation of a dream, uh, one of the guys said, hey, Pharaoh, I know a guy in prison named Joseph who can really kind of give you, he's a good dream interpreter guy. So he goes and gets him. Now, Joseph has time to think about this. And so watch this. He doesn't, this is one way Joseph could have appeared. Hi, Pharaoh. What what you need? You had a dream. Okay, you saw seven fat, you saw seven fat, fat, seven fat cows, and then you saw seven skinny cows, and the seven skinny cows, they ate up the fat cows, and you want to know what that means. I don't know what that means. He went right back to prison. But Joseph thought about that thing. I bet you by the time he heard that Pharaoh wanted to talk to him, he started working on his Joseph's, on his Joseph, I call it the Joseph's, Joseph's answer. Scat, fat, he started praying, Father, what them scat, fat cows mean? What the skinny cows mean? By the time he got to Pharaoh, not only did he tell him the seven fat cows were seven years of plenty and the seven skinny cows were seven years of famine and you were going to have seven years of plenty and then you're going to have seven years of famine, but the seven years of famine are going to be so great you will forget it will consume the seven years of plenty. You won't even remember them. So then he said, here's what you ought to do. Come on, say that with me. Here's what you ought to do. Come on, say that. Come on. Here's what you ought to do. In the seven years of plenty, you ought to to save like a maniac. So when the seven years of famine come, you can cruise on a cruise ship. And Pharaoh said, now you the man. I hereby appoint you to be my second in command. Come on, say amen. Now, come on, praise the Lord. Isn't that amazing? But here's here's what happened. You're on your job. I don't like the way this company is running. Bunch of dummies. Can't believe they promoted that fool above me. I should have got that job. See, that's you. So they call you in front of the boss. What do you say? Well, yeah, first of all, you're hiring dummies. And so they're all supposed to hire you now. They all this 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 inspired everybody. I don't take nothing. That's why you at that level. That's why you, that's why you that's why you taking my order. Anyway, so that's I don't mean that to be mean, but it's true. Ain't nothing wrong with giving, taking an order, but some of you don't want to take an order, but you're never going to get beyond taking an order because of your attitude. Everybody say attitude. attitude. You've been there before. What do you want? Nothing. Drive on. You don't have a Joseph's attitude, a Joseph's answer. You can complain about your job, complain about your boss, complain about your company, but you can't fix it. But you want to prosper. It's, it's easy for anybody to assume that they know the answers. I can't, I cannot advance anything I'm a part of if I don't want to prosper, if I don't want to make this better. And I didn't say what I just said to be condescending to anybody who takes an order. I'm not making, but I'm just saying there are people, and you meet them, who feel cheated and trapped in a position they don't like, in an income they don't like, at a place they don't like, and here's what they've done complained. They have no answer. They have no strategy. They have no investment. When you are a young person and you tell me how you want to be a lawyer or you want to be this or that, 
You can't be that if your room is a mess and your homework is never done and you got an attitude. Who wants to hire you and pay you $100,000 to snap your neck back and forth in the office? Nobody does. And see, understand, there's something about realizing that you have the power to change your life. But you must desire to change. I must desire to do better. That's what prosperity is about. It's not just about a paycheck, no. I know a lot of people that make a lot of money and their marriage is a mess and their lives are a mess and their self-image is a mess. There's, 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 there's tragedy all over Hollywood. All over Hollywood. And I'm not making fun of anybody. Because I had the privilege to meet many of them. And I'll tell you what's powerful behind the scenes. They have children, kids, and lives. And the ones that I've spoken to, when I see them on the big screen now, I see them differently. I see their families and their kids and their lives. And once you get your paycheck beyond your bills, it doesn't matter much. You just can go to a few nicer places and drive in a little nicer car, but most of the time you don't want to do that you, cause, cause, because you, you don't want to drive because you don't want anybody controlling your life like that. There's something powerful about understanding that I choose, I decide to prosper, do well beyond stuff. But that's my decision. And nobody, you look at the preacher, nobody can do that for you. Come on, lift your hands and say, I decide. Second thing that's important that you must decide, I must decide to invest in my family. I must work on healing my home. Unless the Lord builds the house, the Bible says, they that labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. My home is important. Inviting God to help me guard my home is important. My biggest investment is not this church. My biggest investment is not preaching. My biggest investment, my biggest title is not Pastor Ricky Temple. Trust me, none of that is. My biggest title is dad, husband. Husband first, dad second. My biggest title. The most important sermons I preach are not in the pulpit. It's in my daily behavior. It's how I manage my life. Because you can't hide it from your children. They see you looking. They know your appetites. They know you can try to hide it, but they will. And here's what scares some of you. You see yourself in them. And you thought you hid it because you brought them to church. Drop them off. Got them streaming with you. They're watching it with you, but they know you like Miss Smith around the corner. You think they don't know it? Hey, Miss Smith. <laughs> How you doing? They can tell. They can smell it. Just like you did with your parents. I must decide. My biggest investment is my family. Sec, thirdly. I must decide to improve my abilities. Say that with me, please. Come on. I must decide to improve my abilities. What can you do? Matthew chapter 25, verse 15 says that God blessed them according to their abilities. He gave them resources, money, <laughs> excuse me, according to their abilities. Ability. What can you do? And here's what I think is really tragic. You're asking for God to do something in you that he will never be able to do because of your lack of ability, development. Christians have a real strange idea. Jesus will work it out if you let him. Jesus will work it. That problem that I have, I have. You with me? Just turn it over to the Lord and he'll work it out. Oh, yeah. 
Work, come on, work it out. Right? right? Got, can't pay my bills, all my money spent. What'd you say? Work it out. I mean, you got to go, no overtime for you. He going to work it out. <laughs> got a light bill due. Uh, pray before you call down there. Hey, I'm a, Lord Jesus, bind the spirit on the other line. Work it out. Hello, this is Ricky Temple calling. Hey, Pastor Ricky, you calling again, huh? Mm-hmm. Shame when they know your name, isn't it? But you don't feel you have any responsibilities. So we want God to bless our church, but we have no corporate responsibilities. We have to improve our abilities. We have to improve what we do. We have to improve how we do what we do. And there's something powerful about understanding that. So my abilities are important. And then number four, you ready? I must decide to be humble. Say that with me, please. Come on. One of the things that happened, you know, the Bible is really clear about this. And I gave you these verses. This is Luke chapter 14, verse 11. Whoever exalts himself, you look down there uh, in New King James Version, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see that? There's something about understanding that God's word declares there's a power when you decide to be humble because God only exalts the humble and the diligent. The diligent, Proverbs 21, 5 talks about, are the ones that are rewarded. Come on, so I need to be humble. Say humble. And diligent. I don't know about you. This is the truth. When you, when, you, when you get certain things, you feel a certain way. And you need to admit that. Think of an example. I absolutely love a clean car. I, I, I mean, I feel good in it. I like, I like a nice suit. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a suit man. I like, it's the favorite thing I buy. And for my birthday, I will buy myself a few suits. You'll see them. You said that must be one right there. That's one right there. And I, I got a number in my mind. I'm going to buy for me. That's my, that's my gift to myself. And, and part, of, part, of my, part of that feeling I get is euphoric. It, I have a specific place I go and, and this whole thing, I, it, and it makes me feel good. I love, I love a clean house. When I say clean, I mean like museum clean. Diane says I moved us around. That's just me. I don't care about anybody else. That's just me. I don't like going to my house doing this. <laughs> I like to walk around my house and breathe. Now, I have a few closets I'm still working on. Come on, say it. <laughs> so I ain't trying to act like I'm perfect, okay? But I do like it clean, and I like my car. I like you look at it and go, oh, is, that, is it new? It's not. It's almost 10 years old. But I like you to say, yes, Lord. Now, that to me, come on, say yes, Lord, with me. Come on. Now, understand. I get, I get, I get, I tell you, dopamine, you get, you, you, you get dopamine. Your body gives you, oh, that's a good shot. I like, I like my, I, the girl, they tease me. We went someplace that day. They say he, he always has his stuff pressed. And I told the girl, I said, I'm going to put a wrinkle on my shirt just for you. When, <laughs> I was in the meeting this past week. I said, and I said, here it is. I think I got it right here. I got to keep one wrinkle just for you. I like it. I like it, I, I, but, but understand something. When you get into your nice car and you, you, you can't be arrogant, you can't let prosperity make you crazy. You can't let advantage make you crazy. You have to learn how to be humble. And some of you say, I don't care 
and it won't affect me. Oh, you're not telling the truth. Sit in a Mercedes Benz and tell me you don't feel something. <laughs> now, maybe some of you don't, but I don't care what you call. I don't know what your car is. I don't know what you but I'm telling you right now, I have gone to certain, I've stayed in certain hotel rooms, and when I walked in the door, I felt Jesus. I don't know what you call it. I felt him. Oh, yes. God does want me in here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. What in the world? Just a few weeks ago, I was in Minneapolis preaching for a friend of mine, and, man, he put me in a nice suite, and I walked in. I said, yes, take a picture. Wham, I'm in the house. <laughs> and I've been some other places. <laughs> and, and, they, and they drove me up to the hotel and told me I was staying here. I said, brother, uh, doesn't that say Hilton down there? <laughs> I did. I told him, I said, look, drive me to the Hilton. I'll pay the difference. He got on the cell phone. He said, he don't want to stay where we're putting him at. I said, amen, my brother. I'm not staying here. Ain't no need to lie. Come on, say amen. No need to lie. Mm -mm. Come on, praise the Lord. I ain't lying to you. We've been planning these missionary trips, and they said they asked me where y'all where they want to stay. I said hotel. I speak for them. Don't they want to stay with people? That's another trip, not this one. <laughs> where you stay, Pastor, when you do missionary work? Hotel. If there's any Hilton, I go in the Hilton. Then I go missionary, and then I go Hilton. I don't care. I've stayed in the houses. I've done all that. I don't mind doing it. I'm. I'll do. I'm a campy person. I love people. I. I, I get it. But if I don't have to, amen. come on, say amen. Are you hear what I'm saying to you? If I don't have to, I'm, and, and here's, here's the deal. All you got, I, I'm not being arrogant. I'm being honest. I'm being honest. You don't want to come here and go to a filthy bathroom. Why y'all saying, oh, no, that's right. We don't want to do that. And you, how many of you have gone to church and you said, no, you know, this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. I went to one church, they asked me to come in and do consulting work, and I do a lot of that. And I was sitting there waiting. I was sitting outside waiting for the council meeting to start because I was going to talk to the council. And, and, and a roach came by. <laughs> and I killed him. So after I killed him, they had me in the session. Pastor Rick, we're glad you're here. We want to know what is it that's wrong with our church? Why can't we grow? I said, God already showed me. He said, what did he show you? I said, come on, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what God showed me. He gave me a revelation. And I told him, let's all go to the kitchen. Because I know that's where they hang out. That's where their friends were. And, they, and it's the truth. They all said, no, Pastor Rick, we can't go to the kitchen. I said, oh, yes, we can go to the kitchen. If you want me to help you grow your church, we're going to the kitchen. And they were resisting for minutes. They were not, no, Pastor Rick, it's not quite neat. I said, that's why we're going to the kitchen. Come on. So I walked toward, I'd seen the kitchen on the way in. So I went to the kitchen. I said, I know, I know they're in here somewhere. And I started turning over stuff. Hey, there you go. There you go. There go my friends. That's what I'm talking about. That's why you can't grow. Right there. Right there. That's it. Right there. You know, they told them the members resisted them cleaning up the kitchen because they had donated all these pots over the years. And they, were, they, they got angry with them and told them if they ever got rid of those pots, I mean, people left the church over it. I know, I know, isn't that something, isn't that something? I have a fascinating job. I have stories to tell. And so here's what I told them to do. Shh, don't tell anybody this. I can't tell you what I told them to do, but it worked, praise God. Because <laughs> they may be watching, I don't know. <laughs> 
I got one more. I got, I got to end. I got to end. I got to get out of here. I got to get running fast. Some of you wonder what you tell them. It worked. I tell you that much. It worked. Praise God. And so they get amen. Now, let me move on. <laughs> Come on, say, I must decide. Come on. Come on, say, I must decide to prosper. I must decide, decide to invest in my family. I must, I must decide to improve my abilities. I must decide to be humble. Last one, and I'm not reading anything else on these notes. You can read it on your own. Here you go. So I must decide. I must decide how I will respond to failure. I love, I love what the Bible says in Matthew 6, 6 and uh, 14. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's about you forgiving others, and believe it or not, it's about you forgiving yourself. Here's what I noted for you. I must believe that I can be forgiven. And understand that unforgiveness traps me and limits my prosperity. It limits me when I allow myself when I allow myself to be controlled by what people have done to me, when I allow myself to be dominated by what went wrong. I love this statement in um, Scripture because it says to me, Ricky Temple, you're going to fail, and you need to forgive yourself because you're not going to get it right every time, and other people are not going to get it right every time. And if I allow myself to be controlled by what you did wrong to me or what I did wrong, either of those will, will cause wild birds to fly in my mind and I will never be free. I will be trapped. When a business deal doesn't go right, get up, dust yourself off, and go forward. If the first business didn't go right, be like Walt Disney and keep trying. Or Henry Ford and keep trying. Or Colonel Sanders and keep trying. Do not allow yourself to feel so badly and grieve so much and spend so much mental time on what didn't go right in your last marriage or your last life or your last job or your last city or the house you lost or the car that you used to drive. Don't dwell on the income you once had. Here's the point you have to focus on. What is in front of me? Forgetting those things that are behind me. Take it from a 58-year almost old man. Every sermon isn't great. Maybe this one wasn't the best. Go buy one in the bookstore. We got a bunch of tapes. Praise God. <laughs> go look online. There's all a bunch of them for free. I can't. I, I have to tell myself all the time, Temple, go forward. Lock up the birds and go forward. Spending too much time and too much energy on the weight you used to be. You not that size anymore. That was so many pounds ago. I said, you heard me say so many pounds ago. <laughs> That's not where you start. Start where you are. What are you doing now? What, what are you doing now? Am I doing now what I should be doing? Do you really want to prosper? Do you really, really want to get beyond this? Do you really want to do well? If you really, really want to do well, you've got to make decisions. And those decisions give you the ability to prosper and change your world. It starts with you being clear in your mind. Ah, let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name. Ah, that's not going to work. Put your stuff down. Stand on your feet. Come on. It's a stand-up moment, people. 
Oh, help us, God. Help us, God. Oh, help us. Help us. Help us. Help us, God. We have, some of us, lost our fire, our ambition. Become lazier than we should be. Uninspired, unmotivated. We've allowed the challenges of our lives to dominate us. The birds are flying like wild beasts all around our minds and no faith in what God said. He's a God who can restore you. He's a God that can revive you. He's a God that can give you power over what happened in your life. No weapon formed against you shall prosper in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against you will prosper. How could you be so depressed? You know Jesus. How can you allow yourself to be so frustrated? You know God. How can you accept these things in your life? How? How can you? Hallelujah. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name for your people today. Can you look at me for a minute? When you get the car, when you get the house, even if you get the spouse, whatever you get that you think is going to really make you feel prosperous, once you have it, there's a little bit of feeling, a little dopamine hit you. And you go, yeah. But it's over. See, I don't believe that doing well is about one experience. It's about living a life full of quality, expanding my reach and touching lives. It's not about going to just Hawaii. You can go there and it's going to be beautiful. You can go, I can name places. You can go, it's going to be beautiful. But once you get there, you're there. He wants to prosper you beyond. Matter of fact, some of the things I believe God gave me was to teach me, see what this is and what this is not. Some of you are standing next to the woman or the man you wanted. Some of you have had the woman or the man you dreamed of. And once you have had them or have them, you've said, I see what it is and what it is not. The, the is not is so important because now you, you, you see prosperity beyond just that. For preachers, it's bodies, budgets, and buildings, those three things. They want bodies in the room. They want a heavy, a nice budget, and they want to see buildings going up. But once you get all three of those done, you find out there's more to it than that. They're hurting families that need God's hand. So I want your hands lifted. Father, we declare that we want to see beyond the stuff. We're going to be givers. We're going to honor you in our tithes and offerings. We're going to band together as a group. We're going to do things in missions. We're going to be amazing. But beyond those things, we want to be people of substance who see prosperity as more than just that. It's about being whole in life, healthy, godly, committed. I lift up before you people that are bedroom blinded. They're in here singing and worshiping God, but they have no sexual discipline. They're out of control. I speak healing to those people. 
Prosperity for them is being free from that. Prosperity for them is being able to say, I want to obey the word of God. There are people in this room, God, they're, they're here smiling, but they're angry all the time. God, they say words that they don't want to be written in heaven's book when they're angry. And God, I pray that your spirit would free them, free them. Prosperity for them is having, a, having, having good words, edifying words, laying aside the profanity, laying aside the anger. For some, Lord God, prosperity is forgiveness of themselves. Saying, I forgive me for what I've done wrong in my life. And prosperity is looking in the mirror saying, I'm beautiful. I'm strong. And so, God, I speak to them today. And I pray that this room would be full of healed people. Those who are watching from home, I pray, God, that the Spirit of God would touch them. Those who are watching on demand, blessings upon them. And may they feel your forgiveness and your healing. In Jesus' name. Now, if this helped you a lot, give God a big praise if it helped you today. Come on, give God a big shout. Come on, give God a big hand.